Are you tired of playing the same old games over and over again? Are you looking to spice up your game night with creative new ideas? Look no further because we're here to add some excitement back into your game night. We'll even show you how to take your love of games outside the confines of the living room. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone! This month, we are diving into some 90s nostalgia with board games based upon things from our childhood. For the shelfie, we assemble bejeweled magical weapons with sword crafters. Our escape report takes us to the jungles of Jumanji, and we share our upcoming Friday favorites. Lauren, I feel like I need to retake my first line because it's not Friday anymore by the time this comes out. Yes, so that's what I'm bringing to uh, game night this week. Um, A little bit of an apology. This episode is coming out a little bit later than our normal first Friday of the month. Mm -hmm. Um, We had had a week, guys. We had a week. Yes. Um, As some of you may know, we recently moved. Um, which was a, a whole deal ordeal in of itself. Um, and this week, um, after, I guess, two months now of living in this house. Almost two months, I'd say. Yeah. Um, we've had perfectly perfect internet, really high speed, hasn't dropped once. Mm-hmm. And this week it decided to go out. Um, and Almost, like completely. Like Not completely. like spotty. It, yeah. Like, Friday... Uh, a week ago, mm-hmm. midday, it cut out. It was gone until what, like Monday night? Monday evening, we got it back up. It worked for a day and went back out again. And we were like, what's going on? Yeah. And the thing is, Lauren has a job where she works 100% from remotely. Uh, there is no office for her to go into no, if things fail. Yeah, my, my company is spread out all over the country. Um, all over the world. Yeah, really. all over the world. And because you talk to people in like India and Germany. Yeah, and um, our headquarters for the U.S. is Boston. So, and I live in California. Oh, I didn't know that. I know they have headquarters in Boston. Yeah. Um, so th- there so, are no. So offices. if the internet goes down, get on a plane. Exactly. Go to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Right? Um, so it was really frustrating. I mean, you know, it's obviously it's frustrating not being able to do just a lot of things in our house and in our lives depend on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we don't have cable TV and things like that. So, you know, it's annoying. But the main thing was that I couldn't, I couldn't work essentially without the internet. Yeah. <laughs> like that was our main concern. Um, and in the mix of all of that, we also got the news that um, our washer and dryer had been delayed for a second time. And we were like, we're not having any of that. We're not playing this game anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you did that to us once. You're now doing it twice. What's that expression? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, like I'm buying from yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> and you know, it's it's been really um, frustrating not having a washer and dryer these last couple months. Um, and so we were really spending like our entire evenings on the phone with support companies or trying to figure things out. Or and trying we to were... find a secondary vendor for the washing machine and dryer that we want. Yeah, and so we were just like... the certain features that we want, like front loading. And mm. like gas versus electric. And apparently some of those features are hard to find right now. Yeah, I guess washer and dryers in general are hard to find right now. But needless to say, because of the, those things happening, we weren't really in, in the mood to record in the evenings. Because by the time we got done with all this, we were just exhausted emotionally. Yeah. And it just didn't seem like we wanted... I don't, I don't want to have a podcast where I'm like, you know, begrudgingly. Like, yeah, this, you know? yeah. I feel like <laughs> podcasts are like relationships. You should never be feel like you're being forced to like continue on with it. Mm-hmm. Like recognize like when you need to take a break. Yeah, even and, if it's and just we're for not sure. we're not actors, right? So it's not like we could come in actors. there and, and pretend we're all like happy go lucky when we're not, and that wouldn't make for a good podcast. So that's why this episode's a little late because we had to wait till our internet came back up until things had settled a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Friday, everyone. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to tell you about a board game, all right? It's, <laughs> you roll dice and you, 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 everyone just loses, so then you die. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that doesn't work for anybody. Yeah. So, so yeah. So a little apology. This up. This will be our first episode in like four years. That is a little late. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it had to happen. Um, but adulting aside, Greg, what are you bringing to game night? Well, I, I'm, I like to try to stick onto themes whenever I can. I think it's a fun challenge. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've talked about before, or we've talked about before, uh, in, you know, previous episodes, even before we did the whole, what are you bringing to game night segment is we talked about, uh, the foods that you could bring to the snacks to kind of uh-huh. incorporate into it. So we're doing like a 90s nostalgia. Let's do that here too. So I actually found a couple recipes online, including how to make homemade ecto cooler drinks. Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. Why not? Because I've seen that recipe. It's just juice, 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 and sugar. Yeah. It's so, like, already juice is 
kind of too much sugar and then <laughs> oh, okay well okay i have a, two other things then so you, you could pass on that but i also have a recipe to make fruit roll-ups mm-hmm. you know be good. pretty much you do strawberry puree mixed with honey mm. and then you you bake that you know mm. and then remember i don't know about you but i i, I seem to recall the fruit roll-ups also had like fun shapes cut into them sometimes like sometimes you would get those those sheets remember and they would have this sh- and that's then what i'm you, saying and like you would pull the like, shapes out oh there's rugrats in there yeah right i'm not no yeah you'd pull the okay. shapes out and then you would eat the frame eventually yeah, exactly right i was like that was <laughs> for, ball it up that was for roll-ups right not not something else i, I think mean, that was it yeah. it's all the same I think, right but i know? just it's been so long i also remember yeah. there was one where like it was kind of like that fruit leather strip thing, except mm-hmm. like you could pull off like a long string of it, and that was like the outline. Oh of the yeah, sh- yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Or am I having a fever dream? No, like, no, no. Okay. I, I remember that. I haven't thought of that in years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm reading the basic flat one, yeah. but like maybe I'll cut fun, sh- fun mm-hmm. shapes. Who knows? Um, and also, one of my favorites as a kid, uh, Dunkaroos frosting, mm-hmm. or at least that's I knew as Dunkaroos because it came with like little graham cracker like kangaroos. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? There's. But, and that's an easy one. Yeah. Any kind of little graham cracker cookie and frosting. Yeah. But like the Dunkaroos with like the rainbow sprinkles. And, uh-huh. and there's actually a specific recipe that I got from tasty.co mm-hmm. that looks pretty good. That's pretty simple, but it's not just frosting. It's like frosting mixed with, I think it's um, um, a whip, Cool Whip hmm. to kind of give it like a more smooth consistency, I think, you know. So I, I don't remember it off the top of my head right now, but I'm definitely wanting to try mm-hmm. that out. So, yeah, I'm going to bring the taste of the 90s back. <laughs> and then, of course, we could put on some sick jams like the soundtrack to Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> but uh, for today, for our main topic, we are going to be talking about board games that uh, we have tried and enjoyed that are based upon properties from our childhood. Yeah, and, and we were born in the 80s, but we... Our main time growing up was the right. 90s. That's that's what we mostly remember, right? Yeah, and so while some of these maybe have originated the properties in the 80s, we enjoyed them in the 90s. So mm. that's why we're saying this theme sticks to it. And if you want to take us to court on that, <laughs> right at me. You and know? I mean, I feel like there's been this real resurgence of 90s nostalgia. It, and yeah. I mean, it granted, this we see this um resurgence for nostalgia every generation because what ends up happening is the generation in charge of things they're nostalgic for their childhood and because they're in charge of things they're able to do these yeah. these things so and right now 30 it's pretty much you look what the time is minus 30 years yeah exactly that's why forrest gump is the movie that it is because in the 90s people were nostalgic for their childhoods in the 60s and 70s uh-huh. and that's pretty much what Forrest Gump is it's about hey remember in the 60s and 70s when all these historical things happened mm-hmm. you know if you did a Forrest Gump now he would be meeting Bill Clinton and he would be like talking to like he's shaking Monica Lewinsky saying you got something on your dress miss you know <laughs> well and you know they for a while there and and still somewhat now that the night at the 80s have been really big right mm-hmm. and that's because you know a lot of your movie producers and your board game executives that's when they were born so they're they have a nostalgia for mm-hmm. that well now we're starting to see that bleed into some more 90s stuff because yeah. you know people like us are making things now and we're nostalgic for the 90s more so than the 80s even though we were 80s babies yeah like right now uh these are not ones we're gonna get too much into right now mm-hmm. but I've seen a lot of things come up for like Batman, mm-hmm. you know, like from the animated series with yeah. those particular stylis- stylizations of the characters mm-hmm. or even comic books that came out there like a couple years ago. And I, mean, I know I mentioned this show before, there's that Hellboy game that came out mm-hmm. that's based mm-hmm. upon the Dark Horse comics, yeah. which were, I believe, originally written in the 80s or not the 80s, the 90s, if not the early 2000s. Yeah. And also I think with certain streaming services, um, especially Disney Plus, They've been bringing back all of the um, cartoons that we watched as kids. So now you have this whole new generation of kids growing up with Darkwing Duck Mm -hmm. and all these other shows that haven't been available for many years. Yeah. Right now, I am currently re-watching the Gargoyles series, mm-hmm. which actually I drafted on our uh, Mortal Kombat recent uh, tournament of uh, Cancel Too Soon, because they only did two seasons of that, and it was an amazing show, and I'll save my arguments <laughs> for there, but just, just to re- reinforce your point, yeah. Mm-hmm. So nostalgia is is uh, very um, present in our culture right now, mm-hmm. especially for people of our generation and, and, um, and age, you know. 
younger audiences listening to this, you're probably like, okay, boomer to me. <laughs> understand that that's not quite it. It's more like, what are we exactly? Are we, we're not millennials. We're, no, we, we're old millennials. Yeah. We're, we're, we're geriatric millennials. Yeah. Is that we're the geri- term? Yeah. We are actually, that okay. is the term. Yeah. We are geriatric. I got it. I nailed it. We're, we're right there in that cusp. Um, but yeah, so games, board games haven't been immune for this. In fact, for a while there, um, I think it was target they were doing some like really exclusive games. Oh, they were pumping them out. That were very 90s centric. And so, um, for example, one of them, which is based on something that was very near and dear to my heart. So we had to get it, even though we've played it like once, um, is the Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. You didn't do that right. Where in the world <laughs> is Carmen Sandiego. Um, which was a game I had, uh, a computer game that I had as a kid. I actually had the board game for where the USA is Carmen Sandiego mm-hmm. that my mom bought me as a teaching tool because I failed my first state's uh, <laughs> state capitals quiz. You know? I feel like I don't know if that was giving you the right message or not. Like you failed something so you got a game. It, like, right? Yeah. 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 I get I get what she was doing there. But um, but yeah. So and then also I remember the TV show as well. Um, you know, come on, Gumshoes. Oh, there was a TV show. You're yeah, right. I yeah. totally forgot about It was that. like, um, it was kind of like a game show sort of situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where they had like yeah. kids like essentially doing Jeopardy style things just about US geography or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I'm very nostalgic for um, Carmen San Diego. I really liked that uh, playing the video game back in the day, mm-hmm. which, you know, it, it was more of an educational game. Um, and so we got this game and my favorite thing I will say about this game is that when you open the rule book, it sings the where in the world is Carmen Sandiego song, it literally does. which is amazing. It's like one of those birthday cards that you get. Yeah. Except the problem is as you're trying to read the rules, you're like, okay, shut up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like if they get a program to only do it, to do the loop once, mm-hmm. that's fine. But I think it just keeps going and it's like, yeah. Um, but essentially it is, it's a card game. Um, where you are kind of trying to figure out, um, locate these monuments and figure out who stole them. And so you're going through all these different clues and you just have to be very observant and kind of do, um, almost like a logic puzzle in Mm -hmm. a way. Um, so it is actually a good one to probably play with kids because at least older kids, um, because it's all about being observant and using logic. Um, you know, for us, I think we've found that for our group, it's maybe, Maybe you have to pay a little too much attention for what adults want to do when they are um, maybe drinking and looking at their phones and having fun otherwise. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, it, it is, it's it's a very interesting game. And like I said, I think it might play better with um, if you're playing with kids or something. Um, but I think it's really fun. I think it's a good... Um, it's a good way to represent uh, Carmen Sandiego in the board game form. Um, and also, I should say the cards, they kind of remind me of the video oh, game. I, if I remember correctly, these are direct, like, lifting of the art styles from the original game. Yeah, it's very pixelated. It's very, like, 88 pixelated graphics. Yeah. Like, this is the best they could do for, like... The, the Encarta CDs that your Windows 95 used to come with. Yeah, I always love to, like, the... I don't know, some of the places and stuff. It's just like, Arizona. Okay, what? No, like... (laughs) I think that's because one of the things that she can steal, draw me sketch of how, is the Grand Canyon. Yeah, well, that's what I love, too, about um, Carmen Sandiego, is that she would, like, steal things that are impossible. Okay, so, like, here's some of the things. You have the Pizarro's sword, or the crown jewels. Totally get it. The plans of the Great Pyramid. Okay, all the tea in China. Yeah, and the Grand Canyon. Like, yeah. So, like, not only is she stealing, like, essentially, like, existential things of, like, you know, or theoretical things. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's even mythical things, like, oh, she stole the abominable snowman. I never knew what it was to begin and, with. And do we care that she returns it? I, I mean, for she science. Can have it. Well, I think if you find a mythical creature that no one has ever proven existed, <laughs> uh, finders keepers, you know? Yeah. Like, what's the what's the law of uh, possession, you mm-hmm. know? For something that you discover. But I think the thing that I that I would say most about this game is that essentially, if you want to know how to play it, it's like Clue, mm-hmm. but minus the actual board and yeah. dice rolling. You do have a dice that you roll, but that just tells you what type of card, whether it's the red henchman the yellow loot or the blue location card that you're allowed to look at. The other thing that's weird that I don't know if I quite like or not, 
but you can't look at your own cards mm-hmm. unless you roll that dice. So even the ones that are in front of you, you have to kind of work your way through. And I can't look at anyone else's cards until I've looked at all of mine in that category. So if I've seen all of my blue cards uh-huh. for the locations, then I can start to look at yours or John's or, mm-hmm. or you know, Jeremy's. But until I've seen all of my blues... Even if I have, like, everything else, I can't start looking at other people's blues. And that can kind of mess up your game if you're just giving weird dice rolls, that, uh-huh. you know. Um, it also does have player elimination where you find Carmen San Diego uh, too early. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, declaring something like, oh, I think I know the Tower of London's here. Um, or, or London's here. The crown jewels are there. And I'll pick a random henchman and that turns out to be Carmen San Diego. Game over. Mm-hmm. Or if you are at the very end and you're trying to say, okay, I know where Carmen is and here's the two things that are in the middle and you get it wrong, game over. So like, but at least the game keeps going for the other players. But like, it's kind of stinky that you can get a game over after all this work. Yeah. We have played before. It is fun. But like you said, it's a little bit slow. Yeah. To, especially with like, if you keep getting random dice rolls, and like, I've already seen all the yellows in the world. Just give me a blue, <laughs> my life for a blue. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely, it does encourage you to take notes. It has a little like notepad thing that uh-huh. you can use. That's dry But erase. the space to take notes is so small. Yeah. And also the problem is like as much as it's thematic, it has a little like part of the picture is Carmen San Diego's like picture like paper clipped on there. Uh-huh. But it takes up space for notes. Yeah. And then some of the other things like the chandelier from the opera house for Sydney is such a long entry line. The line next to it, you have no line for notes. Yeah. So I wish that they would give you more space for notes. Mm-hmm. Or Especially like, because when, you, when you're writing with a dry erase marker, it's not like a really small thing. It's not, It's yeah. hard to write small. It's got it. such a, only such a fine tip to yeah. it. Yeah. So if you are going to play this, I would definitely recommend, because also the thing is, cards can sometimes shuffle around. It's hard to explain just quickly here, but there are times where the my top blue card might get switched with the one in the middle. And mm-hmm. you have to remember that because it's almost like the shell game. So if you are going to play this, especially with adults and maybe alcoholic beverages are involved, definitely have like, let everyone have like a full eight by 11 sheet of paper that pencils. Yeah. So yeah. Notes. Take notes on something else. Because like, I don't, as much as I like the idea of the dry erase marker and like being able to take notes and I wish more games did that, I don't think there's enough room here to do it i think it's mm-hmm. a great idea but they need they at least needed to make that thing bigger or give us an ent- another page because it's just like a bifold give me like another page where i can just take notes that would have been great you know? yeah but besides that i think it's a good game yeah it's fun um one of mine that i discovered recently that i absolutely positively love because i used to love going to the arcade as a kid mm-hmm. you know like popping in quarters they have a pac-man board game that came out just a couple <laughs> years ago now this game, it's only uh, it does say it's two to five players, but really it's two players because you know technically other people could one person's always Pac-Man and everyone else is the ghost. But the thing is, like for the ghosts, like uh, I mean, yeah, there's some cooperation trying to kill Pac-Man, but like that's as easily done with by one player as it is by four. Mm-hmm. So like you don't really need five more, but you can. But uh, essentially, how it works is Pac-Man rolls dice. And he goes along the board and he pushes down the little pegs. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah. You have like these little like yellow pegs sticking up mm-hmm. that like show you where you haven't been in the maze. And then yeah. as you go along, you use Pac-Man to push the pegs down. Uh-huh. And the best part is when he does that, he makes the waka waka sound. That's crazy. That's like definitely, you know, we've talked before about innovative board- boards. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is definitely a first that I've ever seen anything like this. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, granted, the first time you buy this game... It's probably a little bit of a pain to set up. I don't know if you have yeah. to actually install those things if they come pre If they come pre-installed, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But if you have to actually do that yourself, I can see it being like, ugh, you know. But <laughs> no, but the thing is, he says that, guys, and he would like love it. it. Yeah, he I'd he would be it. like unwrap wrapping it, and I'd be doing something else, and he'd be sitting there putting it all together. I like I like little things like that. Yes, yeah, yeah, the sorting things. But so Pac-Man rolls dice, and he moves that way. But then the ghosts they actually pull these movement cards. And that randomly tells them. Oh, and I like the cards too because they're all pixelated. They're all pixelated with the kind of 80s graphics, Mm -hmm. 80s, early 90s graphics. Um, You know, so you can see here, uh, well, Lauren can see here, there's (laughs) different cards will come out for the ghosts. They put the ghosts in different orders. Yeah. Sometimes red goes first, sometimes blue, sometimes pink goes Mm -hmm. first, and the order always changes. And the numbers. And the number of movement changes too. So that's interesting. 
I can see, though, where it would be interesting with four people. Mm-hmm. Because I remember, as even as a kid, learning that the ghosts in Pac-Man were actually programmed with different instructions. I forget which one was which, but like I think red always directly chased you. Blue always kind of swept the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Pink was like random. It would just like always do nothing. It didn't really care where you were. Mm-hmm. And then I think orange tried to retrace your own path that you took. Mm. So like you had to kind of keep all those into... Pac-Man masters know how to like track all of that in their minds as uh-huh. they formulating the plans. But essentially how the game works though is Pac-Man does his run. He will score points based upon... Um, it, how many ghosts he eats after doing the big pellets mm-hmm. because then he can like do extra dice rolls to chase it down and for each quadrant that he clears he gets 800 points so pretty much you do your run until you clear the board or until uh, you get caught you look at how many points you have and then you pass Pac-Man to the next player you reset the board which probably takes I don't know two minutes to mm-hmm. push up all the pins and then it, you just keep taking turns like that so it's kind of a fun solution to the idea that some games have where like I'm playing and everyone's watching me play. Mm-hmm. Because yes, I'm playing and everyone's watching me play, but then as I'm playing, you are also playing to end my turn. Quickly. Yeah. So like you don't like, oh gosh, Greg's taking forever. Let's get him. You know? mm-hmm. So it, it's it's a fun little kind of twist there and everyone gets a turn to be back, man. So, you know, everyone gets to put in the quarter and have fun with mm-hmm. it. I, I absolutely love this. And mm-hmm. as simple and dorky as this game is and i'm sure the battery for pac-man's waka waka runs down really quickly <laughs> or probably wears thin pretty quickly mm-hmm. for other people i remember being I, I had pac-man fever for a little while when i was a kid and this hits home to me and yes i even remember the pac-man show they had a pac-man oh, show wow. they did and uh it was weird he had legs and arms and it was <laughs> kind of scary looking um though to tell the truth as a kid, I was more into Ms. Pac-Man than Pac-Man. That was the machine I used. So if I did get this, I would probably have you paint a little pink bow on Pac-Man <laughs> just so that I could have it be more true and dear, near and dear to my heart. So going back to another, um, well, beloved might be strong word. No, uh, beloved, yeah. <laughs> um, video game from the early days of video games. Um, one of the very first kind of common video games that we all had on our computer was the Oregon Trail. Once again, educational with you. Yeah, once again, educational. Um, and once again, um, you know, a game that most of us know the pain of dying of dysentery from. Um, so this is another kind of card-based game where you are going on the Oregon Trail and you're attempting to get from this one city to, um, another city. And as you're going... Um, you have both trail cards to build out the trail. Mm-hmm. You have supply cards and you have, I believe they're called calamity cards. Correct. And so each turn you're building out the, the trail and the trail will have different things happening on it. Sometimes it's a nice, smooth little trail. Sometimes it's going to have something like a river crossing and you're going to have to deal with that. You, just like the game, are slowly getting supplies that can help you from um, not getting um, dying of hunger, you can get medicine, um, you can get um, supplies to fix your wagon and things like that. And then of course the calamity cards are, as you might imagine, something goes wrong. Someone gets bitten by a snake, um, the oxen pulling your wagon die, or of course you die of dysentery. Um, and the first time we played this, the very first card that I got to pull on my birthday was the dysentery card. Yeah, Greg was out immediately, um, and also at and it the was time, funny. Well, and he was also wearing a shirt at the time that said "I died of dysentery," so it was it was, it was very so apropos. Um, and the game also comes with a little um, dice that looks like kind of a pixelated dice, and some other little um, player cards that look like they came right from the game, um, so that you can kind of say. Um, who who placed where? Now I will say that what's interesting about this game, it does have player elimination. Mm-hmm. However, the the point of the game is that one of the players has to get to the end. At least one. Yeah. And essentially, granted, you could you could say, okay, well then that person wins. But really, it's about um, that's how the game is won. Mm-hmm. So in some respects, you could be saying that, oh well, I um um. Um, I, I need this person to die off or I need this thing to happen or, you know, because that will help me progress kind of Well, because yeah, there'll be times where it's like, okay, Greg got bitten by a snake, 
but we need to save this medicine for later. Yeah. Ooh, sorry, buddy, but I don't think we can waste the medicine on you because if we need this for the oxen, mm-hmm. those will those will carry us to Oregon. You won't, you know. <laughs> and so what I do like is once again, there's a little dry erase markers. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, all you need to do is just write the names of the players that are in the wagon. And then when they do eventually die, you flip it over and there's little tombstones little and you tombstone. can write their epitaphs. Which, of course, in our group means that someone has to get funny tombstones written yeah. for them. And, and we usually do, like, uh, horrible, um, uh, inappropriate-to-stay-here things on their tombstones. <laughs> yes. Like, to put it nicely here, Greg, what a jerk. You know, <laughs> like, and then just, like, that, and then they'll just move on with their lives, you know? Or, like, Greg, pooped too hard. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, so it, it is actually a very cute game. Once again, I believe this possibly was maybe a Target exclusive. I know it was definitely in Target and heavily featured. They had a lot of games. Yeah, only at Target, you're right. Yeah, they had a lot of games that came out at this time that were based on old video games or things from the 90s. Um, they're all kind of these small box games, too, which mm-hmm. kind of set them apart. That's what's nice, um, too, is that some not all games have to be a big, huge production. Yeah. This knows what it is. And it knows how big it needs to be. And it's a good game that you could kind of take places easily yeah. and like just play at a table or something as you're waiting for something. Yeah, not necessarily one you could slip into your pocket, but no. easily into a purse or backpack. Yeah, exactly. You could easily play this probably um, at a restaurant or at a picnic or something. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's why it's a good one. Uh, my last one, um, not exactly an original concept for a game, but I like the changes it makes. Uh, it is Risk Starcraft, which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a science fiction real-time strategy game that was a computer mm-hmm. game. It came out like 94, 95, I believe. Um, and it's supposed to be between three different races, humans and two alien races all fighting each other, you know. Um, but what I like about this, it, you know, yes, it is a typical Risk game. But first of all, the map is way different. You know, it's actually planets and moons like that you're bouncing back and forth to so it makes it feel like it's more on an epic scale it also does have crystals all around and if you know the game itself that was the main source of money that you would have to mine in order to pay for your units and buildings mm-hmm. and constructions and so those can be placed differently across the board so every time you play even when the map and the planet stay the same those change up so it's kind of like a predecessor to what a legendary game is Mm -hmm. because you know a legendary game you would add stickers that permanently change the thing this isn't legendary but it's kind of getting the idea that board games should change with each playthrough so that way like you might focus differently on the blue area as opposed to the green area you know Mm -hmm. uh lastly the thing i really like about this version is and first of all it has fantastic miniatures you know usually uh in traditional risks it's just like little cubes or triangles Uh or circles to represent like you know uh, infantry cavalry tanks you know or maybe if you're doing like lord of the rings you do have like the archer the horse and the eagle Mm -hmm. these ones have fantastically detailed models for all the different races like here you're looking at the bug like zerg and you can see they look like really hideous bugs Mm -hmm. and biological things you know um you also have the humans, you know, so they actually do have their infantry, the tanks. They have hero units in here too, which is nice, you know, so those have like extra abilities and extra bonuses they can give. But the one thing I really like about this version is that they actually have an achievement system. So if you do certain activities, such as um, conquer seven units in one go, you flip over one of these little tokens for an achievement token, and mm-hmm. it gives you like a bonus. And you can win the game if you have so many achievement points. So sometimes, so it doesn't matter if you've conquered the most or whatnot. And it doesn't matter if you're way behind. If you suddenly pop out for like nine points for achievement points and you're playing a uh, four-player game where nine is enough, you just win because you got enough strategic victories. You know. Mm-hmm. So I like that because Risk is one of those games that its main problem is that it goes on for way too long, the uh-huh. traditional version, where it's like, well, I still have Australia, so I'm still in the world. Uh-huh. You know? It's like, you should just concede, dude. But here, there's a way to get out quickly. and mm-hmm. I Or to end the game quickly, and I like that. I did previously have, uh, years ago, 
uh, the Lord of the Rings edition yeah, of Risk. Yeah, that's, that's the only version of Risk I've ever played. Yeah. And it was against you, and I beat you really badly. You did. <laughs> but in that game, it also had a timer where the ring was slowly moving along the path they take in the uh-huh. stories. And if it gets to Mount Doom, then whoever's playing the good guys win. But if the bad guys find the ring before then, then they instantly win. Uh-huh. So that's kind of a predecessor to this, of like, okay, let's find a way that you can cut the game short if you focus on a certain type of strategy, you know? So I really enjoyed that as well. So those are some of the games that we came up with that were kind of nostalgic for our 90s childhoods, you mm-hmm. know? If there's any ones out there that you guys uh, can think of that are reminiscent of other properties that remind you of the 90s, whether it's a TV show or movie that uh, got itself a board game or any other video games or educational properties that uh, have come up. Like, I I don't know, maybe there's an Amelia Bedelia board game out there. I remember <laughs> those. Are, I think there might be a Goosebumps board game. Oh, I, I feel like there has there to be. There has to be a Goosebumps yeah. board game, right? Like, if there's not R.L. Stein, what are you doing? Like, get into that market. Now is the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that'll wrap us up for there. Um, let's go ahead and go on to our Shelfie report. So our shelfie uh, this month, it, it's not necessarily um, a 90s nostalgia game in the fashion that we've we've been talking about. Um, it's a, a newer game um, and it's not based on any kind of known property that we've had known in the past or anything. But this very specific reason I chose it. Yes. And that is because it, it brings up a sense of something we all did as children. So remember back in the day... When you were in school, like elementary school, maybe middle school, mm-hmm. and your teacher wasn't looking and you went near the whiteboard and you got all the markers and you stacked them end to end to end. You're like, I have the biggest sword. <laughs> and you swung around and then all the markers went flying everywhere. Sword crafters let you do that. Except <laughs> it not only does it make you actually make a sword, but it has a way to reinforce them so you can swing it around a little bit. You can't really hit anything with it. Uh-huh. But you can at least swing it around and look cool while doing it. <laughs> Um, so I believe we've, we've talked about this game before, never, um, on our shelfie before, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's a game that we first played when we were at one of the Dice Tower conventions. I think maybe even the the most recent one. It was the most recent one. Yeah. And I remember Um, we played it and I said, I have to have this. Yes. And so we did get it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a very fun game. I think it's, it's a good one that you can play with kids, not only because of that kind of, you're building this sword, it's in 3d, you, you know, it it has the marker stacking feeling to mm-hmm. it. Um, but also um, because it's, you know, it's all about trying to match up colors and have um, get a streak going mm-hmm. and to be kind of strategic about what colors you place and where. Um, so it's, it's something that's easy to teach. It's something that I think kids can pick up fairly well. And if not, they're still having a good time no matter well, what. Well, we saw kids playing it. Yeah. Like as young as I would say about eight or nine. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, on the box, it says that you should be at least six plus. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. You know? um, the other thing I think it's good to teach kids is about um, thinking about other people's wants. Mm-hmm. And that sounds weird, but let me explain. So how the game works is that every round you put down these tiles, these really nice, thick, good quality cardboard tiles yeah. that have like little notches in them that you, you can use to build out the sword, right? And you've laid out a four by four grid, and one of those is always going to be this anvil symbol that's the forge, and what that does is it determines who's player one next mm-hmm. round, right? Which is fine. But every player has to, what they say, cut the board in half or into segments. So imagine four by four, and you have to draw a straight line through it, either up and down or left and right at some point, and divide the tiles into two separate piles. Mm -hmm. And then the next player has to divide one of those two piles into two separate piles, and so on and so forth until everyone's done it twice. Now the reason I say it's about thinking about what other people want is you may see, oh, there's like four purples right here. If I just separate everything off but that, then, you know, I can grab those. But the thing is, someone else might want those. So maybe settle for just two purples, make that smaller pile, and then make something else look more attractive. Like if you don't care about emeralds, Mm -hmm. make a big old pile of emeralds over there and only focus on your Yeah, and also knowing too, like, oh, I could split this and get 
for purples, but what if I don't get to the purples first? Yeah. So maybe I should split the purples up so that at least I'm guaranteed some purples because they can only take one thing at a time. Amethyst. That's what a purple pajama is called. It's okay. <laughs> Amethyst. We'll, we'll keep saying purples though. But yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, so because the person who does the last cut mm-hmm. doesn't pick right then, it still goes back to the first player who then gets to pick and then the second player gets. So, you know, you really have to think about like, Am I making a pile that even though I want, is it too tempting for someone else to grab? Mm-hmm. So you're trying to get into the other person's head of like, what are they most likely going to pick? And then what will be left for me? You know? So I, I think that's fun. Uh, the quality of the materials is really good. And also they come with little handles. Yeah. That you can actually hold the sword on. So that's mm-hmm. fine. And there's actually an expansion, which I believe we have. I can't remember now. Actually. I don't think we do. Um, the sword tips. The sword tips. Yeah. We've played the one with the expansion. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, makes the game much harder. Yes. Like, it's amazing how... It, it's such a simple game in theory, mm-hmm. but you can make it very difficult. And you can... It's interesting as you're playing it, and all of a sudden you're like, ooh, I've just backed myself into a corner, you yeah. know? Because <laughs> the, the thing about this game and how the point system works is, A, you want to try to line up the same color gem in a row on the same side of the sword. Mm-hmm. So you, so you kind of have to track all four sides of your sword at the same time. Yeah. And you also, the way you build it, you have to kind of like, you can't end with like one piece. Yeah. It has out. to be two on either side. So that means if you get a stack, that's an odd number of tiles, mm-hmm. one of those is going to get thrown away. Yeah. Just absolutely discarded because mm-hmm. you can't have it. Oh, janky looking sword at the end of the round, you know? Yeah. Um, also every single game there will be three randomly chosen, um, <coughs> three randomly chosen alternative objectives, such as if you have the most um, rubies and sapphires, then you get this many points. Or if you have more than uh, five topazes in a row, mm-hmm. you get so many points. So you're like, oh, I've been getting a lot of rubies and sapphires. I should push to have more of that. But then again, uh, I only need to have the most, and no one else really has a lot. So maybe you bend that for a while. It's, it's a lot of things to keep track of, you know, mm-hmm. and I like that. So you can try to focus on everything or you can focus on just one thing, but it also depends upon the draw that you get or rather the cut that uh-huh. you get. It's, I think there's a thing called like the pirate's dilemma about the whole like we have a whole bunch of booty. How do we split this up so it's even and fair? Yeah. But, and everyone kind of gets what they want, you know. Um, the only thing about this that I don't like or rather I don't understand the point of is you do have this scoring system. Which is a nice little cardboard mat, you know. Uh-huh. It, it's a little bit plain looking though, because it's just like. Uh, uh, it a, looks like a weapons. Rack. It's an empty weapons rack yeah. with two swords on them, but like. But it, it gets kind of muddled, so it's hard to tell what it is. It's hard to tell what it is. I mean, you can clearly see those zero or the one to fifty points yeah. there, and you do have like the little uh, player tokens. It's like a green helmet, a blue axe, an orange uh-huh. shield. So like, okay, I'm the orange player. I have the orange shield, and I put that on there. But they also have these big fat tokens in front of you that help you remember that you're the orange player. But the thing is, you don't need to remember that you're the orange player until the end of the game. Yeah. There is no need to remember what color you are. Yeah, because it's not really a game that you score as you're going along. Because what you do is you randomly decide at the beginning who first player is going to be. And then after that, every round, first player is just whoever gets the anvil Mm -hmm. in their cut. And then you just go clockwise from there. So, like, having these big ones, as much as I like them, and they're fun, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with these. Mm-hmm. So that was my only complaint about the game, is like, what... What are these for? Yeah, yeah. you know, unless we're going to say, like, oh, we're always going rainbow color. But then, <laughs> like, okay, you know, it's it's just... Uh, I, I like this game. I really do. I wish that the main game did come with the, the sore tips. Because mm-hmm. those also add an extra layer to the rules. Yeah, it, it's a different way to score. And like I said, it makes it much more challenging. Because you really have to think about what you're doing. But like, without that tip, your sword almost feels like it's kind of like half finished and broken off. Yeah. You know, it's a little funky. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though, because I tested this for science. Um, I am six foot tall when I stand up straight. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was in the convention hall at Dice Tower West, yeah. <laughs> did every single piece into one massive sword. I called it Mega Sword. <laughs> and it, like I said, I'm six foot tall. It went up to my armpit. So it's about four and a half 
feet tall if you do the, the whole mm-hmm. thing as one. So you, and I was swinging around. People were looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm like, I'm having fun. That's the I pay tickets to have fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And who knew it was going to be the last time we were allowed out? So for, for at least a year and a half. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's a really fun little game. Um, it's a short game too. It only takes like twenty minutes. Yeah, and we played it um, multiple times, just the two of us. Um, obviously, it goes up to more. It does, I believe, have a single player variant as it well. It does. Yeah. Um, which I know a lot of people really appreciate. Um, it is, if I remember correctly, a little bit hard to find, um, but I highly recommend Sword Crafters. Yeah, if, if what we've described here sounds interesting at all, mm-hmm. I would pick it up, you know. And also, it's not a heavy game. It's not a big game, you know, once again. And everything kind of fits in the box just perfectly. Yeah. So. Um, and I, I think it's always nice to have those options, especially for those of you listening who have kids. Um, a game that you can play with kids that you're actually going and to younger kids. Yeah, younger kids that you're actually going to enjoy too. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, most parents they play Candyland because their kid enjoys it, not because they enjoy it, or because their kid can handle that. Yeah, and this is something that you can play with your kids that you're actually going to have fun and will be challenging for you too. And like I said, the pieces are thick cardboard, so they're sturdier, mm-hmm. so they're not going to be as flimsy and like snap off as easy. Yeah. maybe a six year old who's a bit reckless might break some of these but the thing is it comes with so many tile pieces one or two accidents here and there is not going to ruin the game yeah yeah um so yeah it's sword crafters uh i'm trying to find the production company here uh sword crafters by adam's apple games and it was uh created by adam ray rayberg i tried uh and chris newman Greg, I think it's time that we escape this topic and go to our escape room report. So we finally got to do a very famous room here in Los Angeles. I'm going to do drums underneath this entire intro. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that is a 60 outs famous Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle escape room. And I know what you're thinking. Wait a second. Isn't that an IP infringement? No, it's not because this is actually officially licensed. They worked with the creators of the movie to um, create this room. And, And trust me. We could tell the difference because we've done IP yes. infringement rooms. Yeah. And we could tell the difference that this was licensed. Yeah, it's definitely, it's nice to be able to play an officially licensed room. It's nice to be able to play a room where they could go go hog wild with it and not have to like, you know. Go board hog wild. Yeah, yeah. And not and not have to, you know, play around and, and you know, oh, well, it's it's not Harry Potter. It's, you know. The wizard school and yeah, yeah. Um, but the school no school of wizards. <laughs> yeah, and I this room um, it came out around the same time as the second Jumanji movie. Um, I think it came out a little bit after it, but um, it's been it's notoriously booked out. Like it's this hard is, to get this into. This is a big deal ticket. Yeah, it's yeah. Worth it. Um, and so of course we knew that we wanted to do this room when we won um, a free year of escape rooms from sixty out. Um, but we knew for this room, because it's such a popular room, it's such a big theme. We wanted our entire kind of escape room team or to A-team. go. Yeah. Our A team to go. Um, so we decided to go for your birthday Hooray. and, um, we went down there to play this game. Um, we hadn't been to this particular 60 out 60 out has a lot of different locations mm-hmm. around, That's true. around this is LA. The first time at this location, yeah. Um, and they had a lot more room, so I'm sure we'll, we'll go back there at some point. Um, they're also, um, near a lot of good restaurants, including Pink's Hot Dogs. Which, which I we... actually wanted to go to because I've always wanted to go check that yeah, place out. Yeah, it's, it's a landmark place. Mm-hmm. So. It has all the celebrity pictures on the wall mm-hmm. of like, oh, you know, um, uh, Betty White ate here. Things like yeah. that, you know? Um, so this room, once again, it's based on the second movie. Um, so it is kind of based on the idea of Jumanji as a video game, mm-hmm. although they do have homages to the board game from the original Jumanji movie. They do. I think they actually have the board game on the shelf at some point. Yeah. Uh, and, but, but it's cool. Like you say, it's based upon the video game, uh-huh. but you would still be... In, so instead of Jumanji happening in your world, you go into Jumanji. Yeah. And it starts off where we are in a teenager's like bedroom. And we have to activate the game in order to yeah. get sucked into that world. The whole idea is that your friend, you haven't heard from your friend for a while. And mm-hmm. so you go to his room looking to see if you can figure out where he's gone. 
um, in the course of looking around his room, you activate an old um, video game console, mm-hmm. and you essentially have to select your players. And no, it then... was cool. You actually pick up a controller. You have to go through the thing, select your player. Yeah. It has the options, just like it does in the movie, of like you know Rick Gladstone or whatever his name was, you know, mm-hmm. and like it gives you like strength guy, you know, yeah. Jack Black, whatever his character's name was. You, know. the thing I did appreciate though, here's what I really liked that it was mm-hmm. inclusive. They had different gendered versions of them so it's yeah. not just oh it's a whole bunch of boys yeah for each one they had like the 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 versions they have in the movie yeah right of like ruby roundhouse the man killer or whatever but then they had a male version of whatever ruby roundhouse would be mm-hmm. for jack black's character the cartographer they had a female version of that you know and like it doesn't make a difference to the overall gameplay but i just like the inclusive option that you know but then again at the same time they could have just done away with the names and just been the explorer the muscle yeah you know? yeah because also with the world that we're starting to emerge into and evolve into where we're realizing the gender's more fluid than a binary system uh-huh. like let's start getting rid of all this binary talk mm-hmm. like just recently i read an article that says that disneyland is, is no longer saying ladies and gentlemen mm-hmm. they're saying dreamers of all ages yeah, which and, is uh, great because that's inclusive for everybody. Yeah, and I heard I know um, in the city of Berkeley, which obviously is very famous for being you know the, ahead of its times mm-hmm. in this respect, um, on all of their like city council stuff and whatnot, they no longer um, refer to people as men and women. They mm-hmm. just refer to them as um, like residents, or you know they've taken away all the gendered language yeah. out of their um, all of their laws and city council things. Yeah, and I say why not? Because even if that person does identify as one way or another that would traditionally be a man or a woman sometimes like let's face it social situations also might be a bit confusing mm-hmm. i've had it where when back in the day when i was a substitute teacher where i told a, a little girl like you need to stop messing around and i'm a boy mm-hmm. i'm sorry your long hair confused me you know and that's just because i didn't i made the assumption yeah you know, sometimes i think we need to retrain ourselves don't make the assumption mm-hmm. just go neutral you know yeah but anyways back to this game it's cool because <laughs> you can select your your role yeah and when you do a compartment opens up and has a special token just for you yeah as that role mm-hmm um, and then essentially you are transported into the world of Jumanji. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in true 60 out fashion, it is um, the scenic quality is A+. Plus. Oh, plus, um, plus, 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 It plus. looks really good. There's also something very funny with a hippo that happens. Okay, I, um. I, I think I need to spoil this just because it's so funny. <laughs> so, first of all, the room is amazing. Mm-hmm. You do go through this one weird transitional section, though, where you go into like a little hot like i said you're in a teenager's bedroom yeah i forget what exactly but a thing opens up yeah and you go into this little hallway that's essentially like a locker room yeah but like it's kind of dark and like foggy and you're supposed to like grab your backpack that has special clues just for your character uh-huh. which i liked you mm-hmm. know um but then when you go into the main room it's cool it's like a jungle courtyard with like uh, vaguely mesoamerican carvings and temple uh-huh. stuff around and there's a giant like life-size hippo head right there if you look on the website there's a picture of a dude going oh my god to this hippo head so like, yeah. it's not a spoiler yeah people know there's a hippo head yeah they and i should say if you ever do play this room make sure you touch the hippo i touched it and i immediately said why is it sticky <laughs> oh god why is it sticky keep in mind this is right in the middle of covid so i'm like yeah. why am i touching something that's sticky <laughs> Turns out they just covered like Vaseline or something, mm-hmm. but I didn't have the word for that in my like mm-hmm. or greasy. I I just said sticky, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, part of the thing that you have to do is you have to make a lot of noise, mm-hmm. and so I decided I'm going to focus my energy onto this hippo because it's a face. So I just turned to the room and I said, "Guys, I'm about to do something weird. Don't freak <laughs> out." And then what did I say exactly? I think I shouted into it into its face your body mass index is a joke yeah like like making fun of the hippo's weight Mm -hmm. i actually then heard the game master come on just like do that more yeah (laughs) um and i will say i think for the most part like this room it's not um it's not super challenging but at the same time it's not like super easy the only time i think it's right in the middle yeah yeah. the only time we needed a hint was really just us like not being observant enough and kind of missing the point of something um basically we thought we needed to get into something 
when really we needed to get the clue from that place. Like it was the reverse essentially of what we thought we had to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was, that was just our bad. Basically there was one puzzle and it was, what's interesting is, so you get these different roles, right? Oh, And they do, they do come in into play in the room. You're given these kind of like wristbands for your role. And there's certain stations throughout the room that you that need your particular skills in that role. So, for example, so there's a if, strength station. Yeah, but if I did that as the cartographer, it would do nothing. Yeah. Because like, and Lauren walks up, and she, you were the strength person. Yes, I, I was the strength person. Which I was like, yeah, go for you. <laughs> yeah. Um. And um. So you unlock that station essentially, and that's kind of you know. I mean, granted, you unlock it. I don't know that you necessarily have to do it then. But we but... played by the rules. If you unlocked it, it's your baby. Yeah. And I think that's fair. And yeah. Fun. And um. So the 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 strength one in particular was a little weird, just because I understood like I was supposed to hit these things, but I wasn't really sure if I was actually doing anything or if there was really a pattern you know it was kind of like a little bit of a some of the puzzles yeah some of the puzzles um you're just doing the thing hoping that you're registering yeah because the thing about 60 out is that they do like to push their technology Mm -hmm. to the limits but the problem is that sometimes those ideas may have a lot of wear and tear over time yeah like there was a thing and this is really cool where they actually have the board game at mm-hmm. one point. And they actually have a hologram that appears if you do certain things that like, you know, oh, you did it. You know, yeah. and, like, and then the hologram appears kind of showing like, okay, then like how it does in the movie. Well, like it shows you words and stuff, you know, uh-huh. like congratulations or like here's a clue. And I was doing the thing because like I needed like information and I was sure I was doing it right, but then the information wasn't coming up. Like, the graphic yeah. was coming up. And I'm like, did I do it wrong? Am I supposed to do it in a certain different sequence? Uh-huh. Turns out it's just that some previous parties had, like, pushed the button or inserted the rod too hard. Yeah. And so, like, it just kind of was touching it. Yeah, and it was really cool, though, because as you would solve something, um, the piece... Uh, corresponding piece on the board game would move to the the center good detail except one was broken and it didn't move and so yeah we were Um, like did we do it wrong or did did that thing just malfunction on us yeah um and then like there was one part and once again this was more just us where it was kind of like we understood sort of like okay well we have to do something with this like torch but we're like I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it like I understand it has to do with this thing but I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with this yeah um, I, I was a little disappointed that there were a couple kind of broken things just because they had just recently reopened. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, okay, you guys didn't fix this. But I know that's sort of the game of escape rooms is that things get worn, worn out so quickly because yeah. people, people are rough with stuff. Um, but I mean, you know, also it has a very kind of crazy end to the room. Uh, it does. Yeah. <laughs> that I was not expecting. Not at all. <laughs> But, um, but was really fun. Um, you know, I think it definitely, it lives up to its hype. Mm. You know, this is a very hyped room and I think it lives up to it. It definitely makes you feel like you're going into that world of Jumanji. Um, there's just something to be said for actually going to a room that is allowed to do what it's doing in terms of the theme, you know? And to fully run with that. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's the thing, like we would... I mean, we've done kind of Harry Potter-esque rooms in the past, but, like, there's so many limitations because they can't break intellectual party or intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And um, you kind of wonder, like, what could be done if you really had the budget and were allowed to do it. Like, can you imagine if JK and Universal Studios said, like, full license given... Go for it, 60 out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, she's it's been, nice, to... She's been troubled nowadays, too, isn't True. she? True, so, yeah, I know. Who knows? But, yeah, it's just... It's nice to actually, like, get to see a room that didn't have limitations like that. Yeah, where they could actually use proper names mm-hmm. and direct references. Like we said, there's, like, at least two different parts where the board game itself shows up. Yeah, the video game shows up. Like, yeah. it's... Yeah. And it, it was just really, really fun to just mm-hmm. have those direct... Because that's what nerds want. Nerds want to see continuity in the fictional universe. Uh-huh. And to, like, be told you were part of Gryffindor, not part of Eagle Window. Or whatever the, <laughs> yeah. like, non, like, you know, copyright infringement version would be. Yeah. You know? 
Um, it, it just feels good. You know, it really takes you to that place. The puzzles were fantastic. I also did really enjoy the idea that the puzzles were divvied up with the role yeah, system. Yeah, I mean, it so- is, it's unfortunate that there's only four roles mm-hmm. and like we were playing with six. Um, and I don't think anyone in our party necessarily minded. And it's not like it took away from their experience. Well, because one of our friends, one of our uh couples is a husband and wife and they essentially stuck together yeah and that's fine you know but yeah i do kind of wish that um everyone could have had a chance with the i mean putting the bracelet on the thing is kind of its own and fun Uh and direct thing you know yeah and i think the problem is they they four is kind of their good number i don't know if this room does it have it has a minimum of four yeah it has a minimum of four but i think it goes Um, to eight yeah it has a minimum of four but um eight max but, like, um, if they tried to do enough for, like, the max, then, like, if you only had four, it, it might not, like, it might not flow right. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, also, like, the room is big enough to accommodate eight, but there's a lot of stuff in it. So, like, yeah. it'd be hard to walk around people especially, and stuff. Especially the first room. I feel like eight would be squeezing it. I think I think four to six is the sweet spot for this room. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? Um, I don't know that I'd want to do the room with eight. Um, and also that would be good the reason why four to six is because we do have one or two free agents mm-hmm. who can bounce around to puzzles because yeah. like i said i think it's good that you have divvied up like straw man's going to do the straw man puzzle you know like don't yeah. unlock it and pass it off to the nerd uh-huh. like you should do this this is made for you you know but like if you're really struggling then call the free agent over and meanwhile, the the nerd can keep focusing on his puzzle, and then yeah. the 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 you know athlete or the assassin can focus on their puzzle. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of fun. I, I I don't know how you would do it in other rooms, but I really do like the idea of having puzzles divvied up like that because one of the problems I've often had in rooms with groups is like you have the one person who's like I'm the quarterback and I'm going to run all the puzzles. That yeah, I can. yeah. And then before they realize it, even if they don't know what they're doing. They're like, I solved all the puzzles. And everyone's like, yeah, you solved all the puzzles. <laughs> yeah, we didn't solve all the puzzles. I got to watch you solve a puzzle. I paid $30 yeah. to watch you yeah, solve a puzzle. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something fun about having a role. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. that in other rooms before, but not many. Yeah. Um, you know, one that I'm thinking of right now is, and I, I don't know if we did a, ever did an episode on this one because this was pre, pre-podcast, mm-hmm. um, but was Crossroads Hex Room where you're given right. the role in a um, horror movie, essentially. Where like you did the detective, where you were like in the middle yeah. passing stuff around. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. But yeah, so I, I like that idea where like I have my puzzles, mm-hmm. they are mine. Once I'm done with mine, I will come and help you with yours if you need yeah. it. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, and the, the other thing I will say about this room too is you know I mean not that I expect anything less from sixty out, but um, I don't remember there may only in the very first room there aren't really any like locks and keys. No. Everything is, you know, it fits with what you're doing. You're... Everything fits within the world. Yeah. Like, yeah. at one point you have, um, you have like, uh, some kind of like a talisman that you get. And then uh-huh. eventually you find an altar where the talisman not only happens to fit, but feels like if this was a real thing, the ancient people who built this would have wanted this talisman to be there and designed it to be there yeah. for that purpose you know uh-huh. so it, it just it all felt organic yeah you know and yeah. like natural yeah it wasn't it wasn't like you're in the jungle and all of a sudden oh the you... mayans had five digit combination locks huh? yeah oh we found a, a purple directional lock yeah. you know <laughs> that's weird um but like i said i i expect that quality from 60 out but you know it's it's always nice to see because not every room is that thoughtful about their puzzles Mm -hmm. and their, you know, like we said, escape escape rooms have evolved to a point where it's not just unlocking boxes. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so this is, um, 60 outs, uh, Jumanji, the next level. level. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, um, it's in, um, Los Angeles at their Melrose Avenue location. Yeah. Um, and they've got a bunch of other rooms there. So um, I want to say they said they had like something like six. They have an upstairs and a downstairs. So if you do go here, um, there's, you know, you can do multiple rooms if you want. And honestly, um, based upon how parking is there, yeah, try to do at least two rooms in one go because uh, <laughs> getting there is a little bit of a beast on its own. Yeah. Know? But okay, I think that 
I think we finally did it. Let's just say together. Three, two, one. Jumanji! Jumanji. <laughs> now we can escape this escape room report. Yeah. And go on to our Friday favorites. So, Greg, what is your Friday favorite? What what do you, what do you want to... I discovered Friday favorite today uh, on a Friday when we're actually recording this. <laughs> yep. The day it's supposed to release, but it'll come out tomorrow. You yeah. Know, or the next day when I whenever I can get this done editing. But, um, oh my goodness, I went over to uh, our friend Chris's house to go uh, pick up a piece of furniture that we need to borrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had this game called Destinies. Which is amazing. <laughs> it is like, oh my, I, trying to describe it is hard. But essentially, uh, it's a very kind of like, uh, like gothic horror kind of setting, you know, where like the first one is like villagers uh, and, you know, kind of like a 17th to 19th century setting, you know. Uh-huh. Um, uh, or no, maybe more earlier than that, maybe like 14th to 17th century. And, um, a monster without spoiling too much a monster is attacking and you have to pick one of three characters to you know do something about this and what's cool is that each character has their own little backstory and their own little setup and they also have two victory conditions which you keep secret Mm -hmm. so i don't know what your two victory conditions are as opposed to mine they might overlap they may not but everyone is trying to achieve their own destiny and it was a really fun system and a really fun game. And they have this uh, this method of how you roll dice and determine your successes that's hard to describe. I would just say go watch a how to play video um, to check it out. There's lots of malign people really buzzing about this game. But it was so fun. And I'm becoming more and more a fan of games with apps. Mm-hmm. Like for my birthday, I said, like, we really need to play Forgotten Waters because I love that app-based game, mm-hmm. you know. And... Um, our friends also recently showed us the Sleeping Gods, another app-based game. I am falling in love with apps-based games, mm-hmm. you know. So this is a top-notch one. The only downside I think there is to this one is that, as far as I know, there's only five stories that come with the base game, while the other ones seem to have a bit more. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. But at the same time, you can always go back and do solo plays or replays doing the other characters. Yeah. Like in the first one, uh, I played as like. I think it was like a lord or a noble or something. Mm-hmm. But there was like a woodsman and there was like a carpenter or, or something like that. I forget. But like I can go back and play those other ones. Even if I played it and Chris played as the woodsman, I can go back and play the woodsman and see what, what the deal is there. Yeah. You know? But like I said, the, the goals are completely different too. As the, like the, the noble, I was like, okay, so I either want to get people to, you know, support me to be the new ruler or I can just go out and like, kill the beast myself and just, you know, oh, he's the beast slayer, so we're going to make him king anyways, uh-huh. right? Those are both legitimately ways that you would become ruler back in the day, <laughs> and I could pursue either one. And to tell the truth, yeah, I started going down one path, and like, that's not working out, let's go for the other path. <laughs> so definitely I'm looking forward to playing Destinies. The only downside to it is that it's only three players. Mm. But I think that's... Which perfect. is a weird odd number. I think it's purposeful, though, mm. because A, it would be a lot more to track for the game designers and the mm-hmm. app, you know, with multiple players. But also, I think because each turn does take a little while, and each game can take a little while, they want to make sure we cut down on time. Because I looked at the box afterwards. We played for about three hours mm-hmm. to go through the first scenario, and sure enough in the box, it says two to three hours. So I was like, okay, the box actually told the truth for once. <laughs> for once. Because <laughs> I've said before, and I'll say it again, usually you take that time and multiply it by two. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, so definitely Destinies, check it out. You may not be able to get it right now because it's a very hot ticket, mm-hmm. but go find it. <laughs> um, so for my Friday favorite, um, this is actually a game I bought for you. Which we also <laughs> played on my birthday. We, which we also played. Um, and it is called Happy Little Dinosaurs. Um, and it is by the same company, I believe that it, is it, um... For Unstable Unicorns? Yeah, it's the same company that does Unstable Unicorns. But yeah, it's T-Turtle, um, who is very famous for their very cute little t-shirts and things that mm-hmm. they do. Um, and this game is no exception. It is very adorable. Um, although kind of dark at the same time, because it's essentially about a bunch of dinosaurs about to face extinction. Or horrible fates anyways. Yeah. yeah. Like they can face either predatory disasters environmental disasters or emotional disasters mm-hmm. like no one invited you to the party and they're all talking about you like 
Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Poor little guy. It's it's and it, it plays very odd. Like at first when we first started playing it, I was very like I think we were all a little confused as to, as to what was supposed to happen mm-hmm. and um it's kind of like you're all you're putting in your cards and it's whoever has I think the the highest. Yeah. Um but then at the same time you sometimes you don't want to be the highest mm-hmm. for a reason. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's essentially Hearts, the yeah. classic uh, 52 regular deck game, but with a cute overlay and a few extra rolls. Yeah. But yeah, it's everybody puts in a card of a certain suit, mm-hmm. and whoever has the highest wins that. But if you get a heart, aka a bad card, you also get that, and that can be disastrous for you. Yeah. But the way this game plays it, though, is that if you have certain disasters on you, but not too many you actually automatically get points every round. Yeah, so, and, so, and certain disasters work better for you. Yeah. So sometimes you actually want to lose so you can get the disaster because that disaster will actually help you. Um, and then, But sometimes you have to fight over the disaster with somebody else who purposely did badly. But, and the prob- <laughs> yeah, but then it's a tricky balance because if you have three of the same type of disaster mm-hmm. or one of each type of disaster you're instantly dead. Yeah. And so you really got to tread that line carefully because uh-huh. you can accept a couple of disasters right away thinking, oh yeah, then I'll just automatically cakewalk my way to victory. But then if you come to a situation like, oh, I'm about to get this and I can't handle that. Yeah. You know? um, but it's, I mean, it's mostly like the, it's the cards. It's the cuteness. It's the funny, like, I would frame that are so on many there. of these cards. Just yeah, like, we, even after we were done, we were just passing the cards around, like, laughing at some of the funny ones and stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm picking it for cute factor alone. I mean, I do think, you know, yes, it is just hearts, but that's kind of ingenious. Yeah. You know, no, that I'm, they, I'm, they just I'm took hearts. Furious, I didn't think of this. <laughs> they just took hearts and put a different overlay over it. Like, that, that's kind of ingenious. And actually. I mean, if, if, to show you how cute this is, mm-hmm. the expansion they have coming out is just called The Perils of Puberty. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what we're talking about here in terms of like emotional disasters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is my Friday favorite. Happy Little Dinosaurs. Hooray. <laughs> Music for this episode was provided by TwinMusicCom.org. As always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it really helps new listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Come talk games with us. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and enjoy your dice rolls. May the dice gods forever shine upon you to roll sixes and twenties. Um, well, yeah, because d6 is a common one, and 20s if you're doing it. Listen, I'm leading all of this in. Like, you can question me, but it's all. Nothing's on the cutting room floor this time. <laughs>